Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Welcome to the show today. I'm Carol Bossert. Thank you for joining. Uh, Regular listeners will remember that two weeks ago I had uh, two dear friends, Jan Majewski and Claire Brown, on the show, and we were talking about uh, universal design and how it uh, relates or is manifest in exhibitions. Uh, We talked on that show that this is the 25th anniversary of the American with Disability Act uh, becoming law in this country and how it has affected uh, so much of what we do and how it has increased our awareness uh, to not only look at the letter of the uh, law but to embrace the uh, concept and the intention of this law. And so I thought it was very, very appropriate and timely to bring on my guests today who have been very involved in uh, doing some programming around the American Alliance of Museums uh, initiative and looking at diversity. It also uh, it coincides with an article uh, my guests have written for uh uh, AAM's recent magazine publication, the January-February uh, edition. I know they'll talk about it more. And, of course, it is such a pleasure to welcome back a dear friend of mine, Greg Stevens, uh, and uh, to welcome a new friend of mine to the show, Sherry Levinsky-Raskin. And I will let them share their, uh, their titles and their career trajectory uh, with you in their own words. So, but welcome, both of you. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you, and, Carol. And um, as, I, as I mentioned, Greg has been on the show before. So, Sherry, I'm going to let you uh, lead us off here. And uh, as you know, I always ask every guest to sort of share their own words, their, their background and, and their, um, uh, their experience and, and those uh, encounters and experiences that have really shaped their career. But today I'd like to shape, shake it up just a little bit and ask you also, to share with us uh, the experience, perhaps a personal story that really increased your awareness of the importance of universal design, particularly in museums. Sure. Thank you again, Carol, for having us. And um, yeah, I, I've been in working in museums for about 18 years now, and my current role is at the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum in New York City. Um, where I'm the Assistant Vice President for Education and Evaluation. And to go directly to your question, Carol, about a personal story that really increased my awareness um, and my, my interest, I'd have to say 
my father actually um, is pretty much one of my most, um, really has inspired me. He has developed at an older age macular degeneration and is legally blind. And that has really opened my eyes to so much around me, whether it's in the community or in our cultural institutions, how he navigates spaces, what are his needs, what does he want out of an experience, And it started me being much more aware of how we need to be listening to our audiences. And that really drove me in a lot of my work currently in seeking data, information, finding out about what our visitors want, um, what is going to make their experiences the best. And what I think has come out in so many conversations with my colleagues whether it's through the Museum Access Consortium, which I'm now involved with as a steering committee member, or through my work with the Education Committee, one of the professional networks through AAM, that you can't, you need to be listening to more than one person from a um, from an audience, from your audience. You need to be listening to many people, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through, but. I'm, I'm really interested in being an audience advocate in my work and being responsive to how we can meet the needs and interests of our audiences from wherever they're coming from. Thank you, Sherry, and thank you for sharing a personal story. Uh, you know, we, we tend not to do that uh, mm-hmm. in, in our profession uh, particularly. Um, I, and while, of course, we... We want to keep our personal lives and our professional lives separate. Uh, it is true that we are the products of so many um, uh, forces in our lives, and uh, it it makes us the whole person that we are. And I think that particularly when we're talking about some of these uh, tougher and more sensitive issues, we have to get into the personal. And so I appreciate that uh, very much. Greg, um, if you would just remind listeners, because it's probably been a year since you've been on the show, just who you are and, and a little bit about your background and then again your personal story. Sure. Well, thank you, Carol, for having me on the show again. Um, I am the Assistant Director for Professional Development at AAM, and I've been here about nine years now. And um, I, I come to the museum field by way of museum education. In fact, that's how Sherry and I know each other. We both went through the museum education program at the George Washington University in a separate years, but we somehow found each other and uh, built a, a long friendship and uh, a working partnership for a number of years now. Um, and before I came to the museum field, I was an arts educator. I taught art and theater at an elementary school performing arts uh, uh, performing arts program in San Diego. And so my interest in, in this particular topic comes from a, a number of places. One is having worked with children for so many years um, and then now working with the museum visitors and, and museum colleagues, recognizing the importance of what, what um, Sherry, you'll remember from our graduate training, the importance of accessibility and advocacy and, and accountability uh, for true inclusion. Um, and like Sherry described, uh, I, I experienced my, my mom and my partner's parents going through some serious mobility issues as 
they aged, and it really made me more aware of of some of the issues we face. And and as Sherry and I have been working on programming together for the last year and a half, I've become increasingly aware and, and sensitized to the issues in um, in our museums. Great, great. And, you know, one thing that I meant to say at the beginning of this of this show, I don't know if I probably didn't make it as clear as I'd wanted to, and that is one of the things that I'm uh, so interested in about this initiative that you've been involved with and this, uh, you know, the, the point of an inclusive voices is that uh, it piggybacks so well on the work that uh, discussion that Claire and Jan and I had. While exhibitions are a major part of what museums do, it's not everything and that this issue of inclusiveness is really much much broader uh, and needs to be uh, described in a holistic way and I know we're going to uh, get get to that in a minute but I did want to to make that point um, Greg why don't you help frame just frame this a little bit? I mentioned that this was you know you and Sherry were working as part of an AAM sort of initiative. So can you sort of tell us what's sort of coming up, how this is all framed out, um, you know when it started? Just give us some context. Of course. Um, well, I one of the things that Sherry and I shared with each other over the last number of years is a real awareness of the need to disseminate information about accessibility and inclusive practice in our museums. I've known for a long time that Sherry has been actively involved in in the work of the Museum Access Consortium in New York, and increasingly AAM is paying attention to issues of diversity and access and inclusion. And so, I don't know, Sherry, maybe about two years ago, a year and a half ago, um, you and I were at the annual meeting. Yeah. And we, um, we happened to be having a conversation in the hallway with a couple of other colleagues talking about how important it is for us to be presenting this information for our colleagues. And that's really how, it, how our work together got started, isn't it correct? Yes, Absolutely. And so we um, uh, actually, Sherry and I sat down uh, over dinner one night uh, shortly after that that uh, first meeting and started mapping out a, a sketch of what a, a, an access and inclusion suite or a multi-year initiative might look like. And that included conference sessions and AM webinars and face-to-face programs in museums around the country. Um, written resources like museum articles or online resources available through the AAM resource library. So we started mapping it out and then really um, jumped right into it. And that's where we, uh, we came. We arrived with the, the three-part webinar series that we produced together last October um, with a, a number of, of colleagues within the museum field and through Access Consortia and members of the disability community. We also worked together to um, contribute to the, the issue of Museum Magazine last fall on museums and accessibility. And, of course, you mentioned the current issue of Museum Magazine on, on diversity, and we um, crafted an article uh, there as well. And Sherry and I are working on some programming together 
uh, including a program coming up in May, which, Sherry, I'll let you talk about, and then some programming uh, later on in June and in October, which I, I know we'll talk about a little bit later on in the program. Great. Wow. This is a, this is a fabulous effort, and uh, uh, it sounds as if it is, is broad enough uh, that everyone uh, within the museum field will have an opportunity to gain access to some part of it, whether it's participating in the webinar or reading an article uh, in the magazine or, or some other uh, access point. And, of course, that's just so very important for our field, which is so diverse and uh, um Bro- diverse and broad, I guess, is is the easiest way of uh, of describing it, and it's difficult for us to find a single mode of uh, communication. So it's it's great that uh, AAM is taking this on uh, uh, so forcefully, and also that the two of you are so very committed to it. Um, Sherry, do you have anything else you want to add in terms of how you became involved in this initiative, or why? I mean, you are a very busy lady, just doing. <laughs> the work that you're doing at your home institution um, can you know why in the world did you decide to put more on your plate well um, I think it's just so important and uh, and as you mentioned a lot that's going on at the intrepid Sierra and Space Museum you know I work very closely with our access team and which is who which is actually led by um, an, a really wonderful colleague Barbara Johnson Stemler who's our manager of access programs. And what we now really want to be offering is a continuum continuum of experiences for visitors with disabilities from specialized programs to inclusive experiences for everyone. And something that's been very important to us is, you know, we are an aircraft carrier. Um, We have, what's really important for us is to be thinking about providing a safe and supportive environment that is encouraging, that is accessible. Um, We think about uh, individuals who come to us for a variety of programming. Um, We want to encourage social interaction, learning, life skills, community building. And these are just programs that we've been generating and and developing over the years. And I will say that we would not have been successful, um, I don't think, had we not been so involved in the community and talking with our colleagues from other institutions. And that's really where I, I think so much strength comes for thinking about what we do at all of our institutions is looking at what other people are doing, getting, um, having conversations, talking to advocates um, from the field, talking with audiences, talking with various groups, whether they're cultural institutions or not, um, who focus on um, programming and focus on supports for individuals with varying disabilities in this particular case. Um, and, you know, one thing that I think is so important and something that actually Valerie Fletcher said during one of our, um, our webinars, um, and Valerie Fletcher, as you know, is the executive director of the Institute for Human-Centered Design in Boston. And she actually said that variation in ability is ordinary now, not special, and affects most of us for at least part of our lives. And, you know, thinking about that and thinking about what we offer at our institutions, thinking about what we offer here at the Intrepid, it's really inspiring and it's, and it's exciting to see that bar moving um, in so many ways and the sharing and the collegial nature of the field. So that's really, I think, in a nutshell, how 
kind of what I wanted to add to that and, and really how I feel really involved and um, devoted to this initiative. Well, that thank you. Thank you very much. And of course, I, and I know that you do a, a tremendous amount of work uh, within uh, New York City uh, in, uh, as part of the, the educational network there. And uh, that also, I think, is a, is a great resource and probably support uh, for your efforts. And I would just like to say that I have been to the Intrepid Museum. I Oh, I've taken friends there. Uh, my it was one of my son's favorite places uh, to go when he was he was a child. I am very claustrophobic. It is not my favorite place to be underneath. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I, I think that's just to say that that I think you uh, have shown that even you know my little tiny disability of hating enclosed places. You've done a tremendous amount of work with lighting and openness that makes me feel comfortable. Uh, and so uh, thank you very much uh, so that I can have an enjoyable time there as, as well. Um, we actually just have one minute until break. So Greg, if you don't mind, when we come back from great, uh, break, I want you to just share with us sort of the nuts and bolts of the webinar series and sort of take us through that that program. Uh, but I don't want to interrupt you. So I'm uh, we're going to break a little early. And when we come back, more with Greg Stevens and uh, Sherry. And we uh, I also did just want to remind everyone that the current issue of uh, Museum Magazine, uh, many of you, if you're an AAM member, you've already gotten it. If you're not an AAM member, maybe you should you should become one to get what is uh, truly one of our our uh, better sources of information. And it is all about diversity. And Greg and Sherry have a very very interesting article uh, in this uh, current uh, January February edition. So uh, make sure to get a copy and uh, take a read. And so we will be back in one moment. Uh, stay tuned. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, uh, and I am with Greg Stevens and Sherry Levinsky-Raskin, and we are talking about uh, the work that they are doing to increase our awareness, appreciation, and um, experience in addressing the needs of all people uh, and being inclusive, particularly issues related to ADA and universal design. And right when we were uh, on break, Sherry, you mentioned a couple of really important resources uh, that people uh, can um, access to gain more information and and so that we don't leave this to the end of the show and I and you're breathlessly saying this as we're saying goodbye would you repeat those for us right now Sure. Um, well, I mentioned earlier at the very beginning my work with the Museum Access Consortium on their steering committee, and I just wanted to flag for um, folks who may not be familiar with the organization, the website is museumaccessconsortium.org, and on the website you'll find a lot of information, a cultural calendar, programming and that's going on throughout the city, as well as lots of resources for program development, for exhibition design, um, as well as recordings and transcripts from programs that have been hosted by MAC, where there's lots of workshops and opportunities for practitioners to engage with disability advocates and people who have disabilities so that we can learn together and strengthen best practices for inclusion and access in cultural facilities. So it's just a really wonderful resource. And also on in our most recent article, Greg and I also spoke and wrote about um, taking action and finding access local access networks in your areas. And we actually have a number of those consortium, which are more formal, that are listed there. So hopefully there's some in the areas, and there's lots of websites for all of them, um, including, um, you know, as I mentioned, MAC, the Cultural Access New England, um, the Bay Area Arts Collective. There's also, um, there's so many. So there's a lot. There's a great community out there, and um, I think that's really important to take advantage of and to seek resources and, and best practices. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. And of course, the great thing about having this on a podcast, if you didn't get this all the first time, you just have to go back and repeat (laughs) it and write it all down. So, Greg, let's, um, as I as I mentioned, um, I was going wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us about the the webinar series uh, and you know what what it's about how people got involved uh, you know just give us a give us a framework for uh, for this sure well I'll, as I mentioned earlier Sherry and I sat down uh, about two years ago and, and mapped out a, a general outline 
And we realized at that time that there was there are so many areas, uh, uh, topic areas underneath the, the umbrella of access and inclusion that no single program or uh, single resource would be able to cover them all. And so we realized that we had to just leap into it and and tackle bits of information in a meaningful way, but also recognizing that the the series that we produced in October was really just a step or a, a starting place for further exploration of topics. So that was the first thing that we laid out. Um, I, and I also want to nod, and not just because Sherry is on the call with us and, and not just because she is a great friend, but Sherry really exemplifies for me what I what I talk to a lot of younger colleagues in the field about is the importance of professional engagement. That if you really want to to make something happen and you're passionate about it and believe in it, then you really need to roll up your sleeves and make something happen. And Sherry is is really that kind of person. So it's a it's a real pleasure to work with somebody who cares so much and is also willing to um, make the, the programming happen. So I just wanted to embarrass you in public, Sherry. Gee, <laughs> thank you, Greg. <laughs> I also wanted to, and uh, Sherry, you mentioned your colleague Barbara at the Intrepid, who was instrumental in helping put the whole series together. And so we we all sat down together uh, over a period of meetings and and mapped out what we thought the content could be and should be, and articulated our our goals. We're all educators, and so having outcomes articulated up front was very important. And we landed on three main themes. The first program was focused on the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, of course, the 25th anniversary of that legislation, but then going beyond ADA to universal design. The second program was focused on addressing visitors with vision loss or or hearing loss, uh, visitors who are blind or low hearing. And then the third program was focused on uh, visitors with cognitive developmental or emotional disabilities. So those were the broad guiding topics for the, the programs. And, of course, what we were aiming to do is to help our, uh, our attendees, our listeners, come away with tips and strategies and approaches to uh, developing more inclusive practice in their own institution. And as we went through the months of planning the program, we reached out to a broad range of colleagues from the museum field, folks we knew who are really doing great work in museums across the country in in various areas, but also reaching out to representatives from the Access Consortia, some of which Sherry just mentioned, and also the importance of bringing in people from the disability community, uh, really, the, and that's where the name of the article that we wrote, Nothing About Us Without Us, really references the importance of, of bringing the, the people from that community into the dialogue, and, and that's something that the Museum Access Consortium does quite well, and you really wanted to model that. The other thing I, I, it's important to, to share is that this whole series was, it was sponsored by OCLC, the Online Computer Library Center, and, um, and provided some funding through the Institute of Museum and Library Services. 
And in doing so, we reached out across the museum, libraries, and archive sectors. So we really had representation from a, a, quite, a, quite a range of colleagues in producing this program. In all of that planning, what, we, what we've arrived at fairly early on, aside from our articulated goals and the, the content deliverables, was this awareness that what we were really talking about, what we were really trying to do here, was uh, build awareness, action, and advocacy. The, the three A's, as we were calling them. And so that those, those three A's really became our guiding principles. Building awareness, how do we identify and address physical, intellectual, or attitudinal barriers to access and inclusion in our institutions? How can we take action, whether it's large or small steps, towards working collaboratively to ensure programs, exhibitions, services, facilities, all the things that we do in museums are, are truly accessible and inclusive. And then advocating for accessible and inclusive practice in our institutions, but beyond our institutions, into our communities, and of course across the field, or in this case across the field of, of museums, libraries, and archives. So those three main goals really became our, our guiding principles, and everything that we discussed in the three programs really felt uh, perhaps not neatly in each one of those categories. More often, they were, they were overlays. That's great. Thank, thanks, Greg. It d- does sound like it was an extremely comprehensive uh, program. And uh, so how many people uh, participated? Oh, my gosh. It was, <laughs> it was a, little bit, um, a little bit crazy. It was actually one of the most well-attended programs that we've ever produced today. And so I was very happy to have over 2,500 people participate in the program, both online and in local group convenings that we, we call webinar watch and talk events. We had over 60 of those hosted events taking place in museums and libraries and other institutions around the country. And so we had a tremendous reach. Uh, we had over two dozen presenters and, and subject matter experts participating on, the, on, on this end. So all in all, it was a pretty amazing reach for, for this uh, seemingly humble program. That's that is fabulous, and that certainly um, goes uh, credit goes to you and Sherry for for being so well organized. Uh, I I I think that that is a testament to that, as well as the uh, interest in this uh, topic. And certainly, what is so fabulous, I think, about the webinars uh, that you have been developing, uh, Greg, is is that anyone can watch them. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter the size of your institution, uh, you know, if you're a, a volunteer institution of two or if you're, uh, you know, a hundred plus staff. Uh, it, it truly does provide, uh, it, it, they are in the spirit of accessibility uh, to the museum community, and I think that that's great. Um, Sherry, do you want to, uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, I'll let you add and piggyback to what Greg has said and then maybe Sherry. Share with us some of the things that you, you know, what what you learned, uh, what surprised you, uh, what most gratified you from uh, being involved in this project. 
Great. Um, I think everything that Greg said was just right on point. Um, there are a couple um, examples that I wanted to maybe share as well from the webinar in terms of for our goals and what we were hoping to achieve. And that's um, thinking about um, awareness, action, and advocacy from very practical standpoints as well and thinking about how do, you, how do you actually make something happen. And I'll give an example of what I mean. For instance, we had Christine Murray, who's a senior content designer for Antenna International in San Francisco, and she spoke a lot about um, the um, tour, the ASL, American Sign Language Tour for Alcatraz Island, and how they involved the um, deaf community as co-creators, designers, talent, and even audience testers in the process. So it's about involvement in being a co-creator, being able to provide insight. We do that a lot also through, um, we have a parent advisory committee here at the Intrepid, and um, they help to advise about programs that we do our early morning openings for families who have children who are on the autism spectrum. Um, and they help us. They test out ideas. Um, so that's just so important. We also wanted to really think about, I mentioned it earlier, listening to our audiences and hearing from them. And while that may not always be practical, that may not be always realized. Um, what we did was embedded in each of the webinars videos that have been, um, it's a training video, staff training videos that actually MoMA has been using and Francesca Rosenberg, who's the Director of Community Access and School Programs at MoMA, um, kind of queued them up during each webinar and each time we watched portions of these staff training videos where you were hearing from individuals with varying disabilities talk about what it was like to go to a cultural institution, what they wanted out of the experience. And, you know, one of the reasons for that is they found that, you know, it's most effective way to train their staff would be to actually help them with the levels of awareness um, identifying their attitudes, potentially even misconceptions about people with disabilities, and then from them to hear from those folks. So that was really powerful, and we had our um, the different presenters on the webinar respond to what they were seeing and provide additional information to that. And then I think um, to kind of jump over to one of the next pieces that you were asking me about is what did we learn um, and what kind of emerged from this. And I think what was really fascinating was thinking about and piggybacking on the MoMA videos, a lot of very internal conversations started to emerge. So things that we can be doing at our institutions that regard, regarding hiring practices, staff training, outreach, community relationships and partnerships, internships for individuals with disabilities, sharing our resources, and thinking about things that from a lower cost um, perspective as well, options for smaller budgets, um, and even getting into institutional inclusion statements. So what does that look like? What's out there and what can we be doing? And I thought it was really interesting just to kind of close and then maybe then turn it over to Greg to add. Um, you know, we were talking, um, Beth Redmond-Jones from um, the San Diego Natural History Museum 
spoke a lot about thinking about um, programming and employment opportunities, and that was something that really rose to the top. And she was saying that it's not just a focus on childhood programs anymore. We need to be thinking about transition to adulthood, and we need to be thinking about new ways of providing those types of internships and work opportunities. Um, And that really, I think, nicely is couched in what's been um, focused on in kind of Trends Watch as well. And Greg, you can probably speak a little bit more to that. But thinking about aging populations, um, thinking about what the percentages of the populations are going to um, have these varying disabilities as we move forward. Um, So I think that's just really, um, those are some of the things that rose to the top. Um, And I'll turn it over back over to you, Carol. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, that, that was great. I love your examples, and I'll want to follow up on them a little bit. But first, Greg, uh, if you have something to, uh, to add. I do. Thank you very much for that great overview, Sherry. One of the things that I, I think we came out of this, this series being more aware of is that when we talk about the Americans with Disabilities Act and, and universal design, we're on some level we're talking about compliance, really what, what the law says, the letter of the law um, in terms of physical access and information access. But over and over again, uh, many of our presenters talk about the importance of going beyond compliance so that, uh, for example, the ADA itself is really the letter of the law that universal design as a principle is the spirit of the law, meaning what's good for some is good for everyone. And, and that, that can um, uh, take place in, a, in an exhibition setting, in an online environment. But really how we go about approaching that is from a mindset of not just doing what we are supposed to be doing um, because the law says so, but doing what's good for everybody as much as we can. The other yes. thing that, that Sherry referenced a little bit um, in, in when she was when you were talking about Beth Redmond Jones from the San Diego Natural History Museum, um, Beth is the mother of an adult child with autism, and so she has a very personal point of view about that and is very open about it. But she's written about it in AAM's Exhibitionist uh, magazine through the National Association for Museum Exhibition. Um, but she has a very real concern for, for addressing these issues beyond childhood into adulthood. And this is something that Beth Zebarth from the Smithsonian Accessibility Office referenced in a number of places, and, and that is really addressing the whole person, that when people come to our museums, they are coming to them as whole people, not just as men or women or children or adults or a person with a disability, they come with a whole range of interests and abilities and experiences. So it's critical for us to think about the whole person. That's, yes. Um, and then I one could, other I... thing that I wanted to add on to what Sherry said is the importance of, of addressing this issue from an institutional perspective, that, that, that accessibility and inclusion should not be just a line item in the exhibition budget. Um, rather, it is included in the overall approach, and this is a top-down, across-the-board approach in your institution. And our, our colleague, Christine Reach, who is the director of 
exhibit development and conservation at the Museum of Science in Boston really emphasized that inclusion really starts with an institutional vision supported by uh, a holistic approach to improvement and and change through organizational learning. So yeah, great. that includes and I think involving I, I people in our work and embedding inclusive practice in our work. Okay, Greg, that's great. I'm going to stop you right there. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to follow up on exactly what you've, you've uh, said, that this needs to be an institutional and a holistic approach and, I, I, and how we transition some of the piecemeal things that we sometimes do into that holistic approach. So please stay tuned. There's some really, this is a, such an important topic for us all. Uh, so stay tuned. I'll be back in a moment. This is Carol Bossert from Museum Life. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content, and at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and today we are talking about the importance of inclusiveness. As uh, my guest, Greg Stevens, said, it's not just the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law. And I am here both with Greg Stevens and Sherry Levinsky-Raskin, and we've been talking about uh, their recent initiatives in uh, building awareness, action, and advocacy through uh, their webinar series and, and a host of other activities and programs that uh, I think have done a a significant job in uh, bringing this topic back to the forefront, back into conversation. Uh, I think it is 
easy. Uh, unfortunately, it can be easy for all of us to sort of get our noses focused on the day-to-day activities of, of our institutions and get buried in emails or uh, telephone calls or deadlines. And uh, this, uh, the work that Sherry and Greg, you, that you are doing, helps bring us back to plumb, so to speak. It reminds us why we work in museums and what our real, uh, real intention and work with the community is. And so I really applaud both of you for spearheading this effort. And Greg and Sherry, I wanted to get uh, drilled down just a, a moment in this final section for something that you, you've both both uh, said, and that is the importance of making universal design, the spirit of inclusiveness, a institutional um, uh, goal. And and uh, Greg, I think you used the word holistic approach. And I must say that uh, I have witnessed, I'm sure you have too, uh, the tendency, uh, I think it's changing, but there has been a tendency to sort of look at this in piecemeal. So for instance, one organization will say, gee, let's do a program for the blind. Or, you know, gee, let's do a program for another group and not really looking at this this sort of uh, holistic approach and I was wondering if you could both perhaps just share one little insight or piece of advice for listeners who are hoping to you know broaden out to this holistic approach um, sure um, this is actually something that I've spoken a lot with with my colleague Barbara Johnson Stemler as I mentioned before who's our manager of access programs here at the museum And something that she's actually taught me a lot is not focusing, as you just mentioned, Carol, not being so hyper-focused on the output of a specific program, but thinking bigger and thinking about overall awareness and the institutional culture regarding the practices and the ways that you're thinking. And um, as a very kind of, I think, um, great tidbit to share with everyone, Um, Barbara came up with um, and shared with me this Access ABCs that I think are really great. And it stands for Audit, Best Practices, and Collaborate. And in thinking about kind of taking from that piecemeal approach to this more holistic approach, I just wanted to share a little bit about what that means. Um, And from thinking about those ABCs, it's identifying the organization's strengths. So thinking about staff knowledge and expertise. Um, and experiences like we spoke about, you know, some of those personal drivers that we all have, Um, physical environment and geographical placement. So, um, you know, really thinking about what are your strengths and then being very um, thoughtful about ways to improve areas of weakness um, as you're creating an action plan that was organically building off those strengths, um, but being able to address areas that need improvement. Um, familiarizing yourself with best practices in the field. Um, I love that she says ignorance is not bliss. I think that kind of goes to what Greg was saying before as well. And um, again, just to reiterate that the law is just a minimum and we want to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Um, And then third is collaborating. And I spoke a bit about that with consortiums, but also reaching out to local communities and colleagues to collaborate and ensure that those stakeholders are a part of the dialogue. So, 
you know, those are things that three areas that I just wanted to make sure I shared with everyone because I think they're really wonderful. Um, there's a couple other things that we do here as well, which is thinking about strategies that work for all audiences as you're thinking about what you're doing, whether it's an exhibition design um, or a program, um, you know, thinking about multiple opportunities and methods for processing, for comprehending, for expressing ideas, ensuring physical and emotional safe environments, um, being flexible, um, as well as multiple entry points. So whether it might be incorporating tactile or full body movements, using replicas or models, these are things that all everyone enjoys. And why not think about that from that standpoint of what works for everyone? Um, and I just think that's a really great message. Thank you, Sherry. I, I love the ABC. And what does ABC stand for again? So it stands for audit, best practice, and collaborate. Fabulous, fabulous. I think mm-hmm. that that is a very nice framework. Greg, I'm sure you have something to add. I do. I'm thinking that one of the other important messages that came out of our programming and continues to inform the work that we're doing is this a genuine sense, a spirit of generosity from the disability community. And what I mean by that is that the disability community, the, the people we've been working with and collaborating with, um, really express that this is... Um, don't be afraid of, of making a mistake. The, the worst thing to do institutionally is to not do anything. And so you, you may not have a heightened level of awareness about issues related to accessibility and inclusion, but, but take a small step. And one of those small steps might be changing the font size on your labels in your exhibition. Um, it might be changing the lighting in your exhibition where you can. Um, certainly, the, the importance of the, the institutional approach, the holistic institutional approach. But, but don't be afraid to try it. And if, and if something doesn't work right perfectly, that's okay. You're creating a culture of learning and, and demonstrating that you are paying attention and you are aware and you are taking action. Um, so that, that spirit of generosity from the disability community, I think, is, is genuine and profound. And the other thing that I, I think can be a barrier to some of our institutions, the vast majority of museums in the field are very small institutions, in some cases volunteer-run or perhaps one or two paid staff. And there might be the, the impression that we just we can't do this because we don't have the resources, we don't have the time, the staff, or the money. Um, and even one of our presenters on the webinar series Chad Burkhart from the Carnegie Museum of Montgomery County in, in Crawfordsville, Indiana, was talking about, well, we're, she's a staff of one, and they do what they can. And so it might be mostly low-tech. It might be just QR codes on labels. might be large print materials. Um, might be emphasizing our accessible entrance. But those little things do make a difference. And so any step is an, an important step. You know what? What really strikes me again, I have the uh, the luxury and uh, honor to talk every week with with fabulous people such as yourselves. And one of the themes that that uh, your today's program really resonates and reinforces is the importance of 
of that collaboration. And I, I love that word, Greg, generosity. Uh, we Museums need to get out of their walls, out of their skins, and talk with all members of their community to make their community better. And that can take... That takes time and commitment. You just don't, mm-hmm. you know, invite a couple people for for tea and cookies and expect that everything's going to work out purpose, uh, you know, uh, perp- uh, perfectly. Uh, but that needs to be a high. What I'm hearing you both say is that that outreach and uh, development of partnerships and friendships and collaborators is needs to be one of the highest priorities that the institute. Uh, addresses. Mm-hmm. So, so Greg, we've got a couple minutes more. What What's next? What are some of the uh, things that we can look forward to uh, uh, with AAM in addressing this uh, uh, this issue? Well, thanks for for asking, Carol. I want to mention that this this topic of accessibility and inclusion fits squarely in AAM's overall focus on diversity in the museum field. And as Sherry mentioned earlier on in the program, this is looking at diversity in the broadest sense in our audiences, but also in our, our, our institutions, our workforce. And so we're, we, we launched this series last fall, the museum articles that we've talked about in last fall and the current issue of Museum Magazine, the current issue of the exhibitionist from NAME is all about inclusive practice. Um, I know that Elizabeth Merritt, the founding director of the Center for the Future of Museums here at AAM, is hard at work on launching the, the next issue of Trends Watch, Trends Watch 2016. And uh, I know that that includes some information on on accessibility, really the, the chapter called More Than Human is about evolving attitudes towards disability and accessibility and how both are being transformed in part by assistive and, and what you know, she's calling augmentative technology. Um, I mentioned that uh, in May we'll be producing a program for annual meeting presenters to help them deliver more inclusive presentations and Sherry and I are working on that right now. And, of course, our annual meeting, the AAM annual meeting, will be coming up at the end of May in Washington, D.C. We're very excited about the program. And it, you can go online to the annual meeting page and search for all kinds of sessions. And we're very happy that there are a good handful or more uh, programs related to accessibility. I also want to uh, acknowledge that Sherry and I are working on a, a program in October, but between the annual meeting in October, we are focusing on uh, a program that looks at website accessibility. We know that the Department of Justice um, may soon be issuing regulations requiring accessibility for a nonprofit website, so we are, we are really trying to get ahead of that uh, and so we've got a, a lot on our um, got a yeah. lot on our plate, but we are very focused on this in, uh, in a meaningful, holistic way. Absolutely. Well. I think I think that's great. And Greg, you and I have known each other a long time, and I know that whatever you commit yourself to, uh, you you follow through. 
And uh, again, on behalf of the entire museum community, Greg, I know you've done so much for uh, emerging museum professionals with the publications as as well as this very important effort. So thank you uh, for all that you do for the museum community. And Sherry as well, uh, we know you've got a day job and uh, here you are also uh, contributing so significantly to the field. And uh, thank you very, very much. Thank you both for being on the show today. Well, thank you, Carol. It's been very wonderful. Wonderful. And and, uh, so uh, there are lots of resources out there. And those of you that are planning to come to AAM in Washington, uh, we can never uh, promise excellent weather, but we can uh, promise uh, a warm welcome. And uh, you'll be able to meet Sherry and Greg there and also communicate them uh, through email as well if you have any questions. And again, thank you so much for listening to the program. Uh, I'm always honored that so many of you do tune in uh, uh, on a weekly basis and all of you who download the many, many podcasts. Thank you so very much. I'll be back next week with another live program. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net. We'll be right back. 